Welcome to 52 Weeks of Hustle. I'm Travis Apple, the host of this podcast. And after spending my entire career in the sports industry, I want to continue to find ways to give back. Give back to individuals that want to get in this business or individuals that are currently in this business that want to continue to excel at an elite level. For those of you who know me, hustle has always been important, hence the name. This podcast is presented by General Sports Worldwide and the clubhousecareers.com. It's crazy. It's season four already. I'm going to have the privilege of sitting down with industry experts to discuss their career path. We're going to discuss three key topics that are currently in this industry, three hustle hot seat questions, and three pieces of advice, all under 24 minutes. Now, under our guests this week. Gaining experience early on in your life and your career is always beneficial for the long term. Our next guest started gaining real life experience early on and has been able to turn that into a very successful career. I'm excited to have Ryan Erdman, Vice President of Client Retention and Group Sales at the Carolina Hurricanes. Ryan, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. Ryan, always a pleasure talking to you. Certainly excited to talk about your career journey. And, and let's start from the beginning. You grew up in eastern Pennsylvania. You're always into sports, around sports. Certainly a hell of an athlete that we'll dive into. And you ultimately go to Lock Haven University and receive a degree in sports administration and business. What did you think you wanted to do as a career? Yeah, great, great question. Uh, you hit it uh, on the head at first. I'm from kind of middle of nowhere, Pennsylvania, where there's not, there's certainly not any pro sports teams. There's barely any minor league sports teams. So at first, kind of uh, my my thought was anything that I had experienced in sports, which was very little. So um, whether it was things that I was around. So first, I thought about wanting to be a gym teacher or wanting to be a high school athletic director or high school football coach. That was kind of all, all I knew. And I thought that could be a cool career path of, of those that I'd been around. Um, or as weird as it sounds, things that I saw in movies or on TV, wanting to be a sports agent or a GM of a team. Or, I mean, if I had to settle, maybe just be an actual pro athlete myself, that was an option. Too. Have you settled? Of course, yeah. of course. Well, you know, throughout that, a lot of this business and we kicked it off is about experience and you receive an internship with the Scranton Wilkes-Barre Yankees in minor league baseball. And first, you know, much of the understanding of minor leagues is that you're able to gain experience doing a little bit of everything. So what was it like for you knowing as an intern, you may be selling tickets one day, helping with a community event the next and running around in the mascot another day? Yeah, that's, that's definitely exactly right. I think I remember, I know for a fact, I served hot dogs. Um, I rolled the tarp when it rained. I slept overnight in a tent on the field for uh scout night the one night um and then also obviously called uh cold call like single game buyers and things like that so did some things in sales as well but yeah it was a little bit of everything you're, you're spot on there um and you know definitely dates me age-wise but back in my day um completely unpaid internship yeah, not paid in, yeah exactly in, in minor league baseball so um i don't know that that's allowed legally these days but um but that being said not to not to get on a soapbox or anything like that but at that point, I mean, there's a lot of games where what we're eating is the leftover food from the full-time staff. We're working 16-hour days. There's a lot of grind that goes into it, and I'm positive anybody that, that works in um, you know, minor league baseball would say that. However, still knowing all that I know and doing what I did, I'd still take that deal all day for sure because I think the knowledge and experience that I got there – when I talked about coming from middle of nowhere, like that gave me critical experience and understanding that I never had before. Like I never understood how an organization worked. I show up for a game with a ticket and have a good time and drink a beer, but I never knew what went on in the background. And um, that type of experience right off the bat out of college gave me an understanding of how a pro organization is run, how the different departments operate, 
what drives revenue, like logistics on game nights, all those types of things are what I kind of got out of it. So you sacrifice that for some of the other things that you have to do along the way. As we go in, you know, for years, I've been fortunate enough to know you for years, and I always have taken uh, pride in being able to recruit you and have certainly been proud of all your accomplishments. And now after you just said, look, we didn't get paid, I think that was probably my recruiting pitch is like, I will give you a paycheck. So maybe you just take as much proud, but you're yeah. your first role, you're out of college, first paying role with the mm -hmm. Pittsburgh Pirates. I was certainly excited to you. I was a young manager, and I always remember you're one of the first one in, last out, you won the hustle board consistently. You found ways to grow grow revenue. As you think back to that time, what's one key piece of advice you'd give every listener to focus on accomplishing in the first several months of kind of your role or, or in the business? Yeah, good, good question. I think me personally, um, I was definitely scared into doing it because my boss was sitting Correct. right next to me at the time. Lead, I think lead by your, fear. your cubicle was right to the left of me. So I didn't really have a choice but to find a way to be successful or else I probably would have been gone pretty quickly. Look, it um, worked out for you. I, I guess so. I guess so. I was probably close a few times, but I think, I think what I tried to do and what I see a lot of now and in, in kind of my role for several months um, specifically, definitely study everyone and everything around you. I think there's the obvious side of it that is study the ins and outs of your job. And, and I'm talking ticket sales, but it goes for marketing, building operations, anything like sales. My, my thing to study was knowing the ins and outs of product knowledge, sales technique, call scripts, all those things that we do repetitively, being good at that is, is obvious. Marketing, you know, finding out what your measurable metrics are, your demographics of your audience, operations, how the building runs, who reports to who, all these things you have to know for your job. You're obviously going to learn that, but I think a, a big part in your first couple months is the not so obvious thing, which is studying others around you too. So who are the most successful people? What are their habits every day? Um, like in sales, you're also studying your customers. What resonates with your customers? What doesn't resonate with your customers is just as important. Um, you know, you try a few things on the phone and they don't work out so well. That's just as important, too, because, you know, that's not going to be a solid part of your pitch. Um, and then just learning kind of how other departments operate, how I can contribute and how I can make a positive impact with my job, I think is super important um, early on and just kind of getting involved wherever possible. Uh, making sure you're taking care of your business, doing your day to day. But where can I get involved? Where, where can I help my organization beyond what I'm asked to do? I think is kind of early in, or kind of important, excuse me, early in your first several months. You know, I think one of the trends that you kind of talked about throughout a variety of those, which, which are all great examples, is just like be willing to get out of your comfort zone a little bit. Mm -hmm. Right. Do yep. something a little bit differently. And, you know, within the Pirates, you grow up, you grow up and, and quickly move within the organization. And again, not sure if it was because you didn't want to work for me. So you, so you went more towards the, the group sales route, kind of soft as Charmin. Um, and ultimately service and retention. But, you know, given as you spent your time and career there, you, you had gained valuable experience in all the different selling departments. And what would you tell people on being able to just sell and service at a high level, no matter what role you're in? Yeah, I, I think I, I personally took the approach um, – that the product should kind of be irre irrelevant. Um, it's simply about providing value to someone. So uh, I think regardless of whether I was doing in inside sales or in groups and suites or in service, I think it's all about providing the value, improving the value of what, what you're pitching to somebody. So group sales and suites, I think the focus is proving to a company that they would benefit from hosting all their top clients to close deals for their companies. Uh, 
you know, hosting all their employees for employee morale or appreciation, um, hosting, hosting any type of top prospects, like focusing more on that than the product itself. It all kind of translates to what's valuable to your clients. So when I go over the service side, servicing season ticket members, kind of just proving that renewing your membership is valuable as well. So time with your family, if it's a B2C customer or a tool for your business to succeed, if you're a B2B customer, it's all about proving that value to your customer. Um, because I think regardless of sport or league or city, et cetera, like people don't need sports. So it's kind of on you to paint that picture, show people the value of what you have to offer. Because I, one thing I always go back to is like, if somebody wanted tickets, they'd already have them and computers would do all of our jobs. We take orders online, we'd be done with it. So, um, if we can't prove value and, and why this product is relevant to somebody that doesn't have it, we, we really don't have a lot of value to contribute, if that makes sense. No, I love it. Completely makes sense. It's all about that value proposition. And you know, Ryan, for you and your career, after spending four and a half years with the Pirates, you had to rally with the Carolina Hurricanes, where you became manager of client services, and then have held five different roles in the eight and a half years you've been with the Hurricanes. And in this business, we often talk about willing to take risks and getting out of your comfort zone. A move for you out of the state of Pennsylvania, which you'd spent your entire life moving to Raleigh, was not only away from the team you've known as your career, but also further from your comfort zone, from a personal end and home. And what's your advice to listeners on being willing to take some risk? Yeah. Awesome. Awesome question. I think without a doubt, it's, it's for sure at the time was my toughest decision and, and biggest risk I'd ever taken in my life for sure. Because to your point, never even lived outside of Pennsylvania in my entire life. Um, for the most part, loved everybody that I worked with in, in uh, Pittsburgh as well. Even you sure. on certain days. Um sure. On the personal side, my you mentioned it, but my family's only a few hours away, and I love the role I was in. Like I, had, in retention, you, you get to know your ticket base, you get to know your customers really well. Obviously, and I was very close with a lot of my customers too. On top of that, the the cherry on top was that I knew absolutely nothing about hockey either. So this risk to me, and the thought of of doing something else, it, it was a pretty big risk and something that I wasn't accustomed to at that point. So being my first. Um, uh, I kind of reflected on where I was at at the time. My first risk could also be considered kind of a move from, I moved from group sales to service and retention. And that was a risk in and of itself too, because it was kind of viewed as a lateral type of move. And going from there, it could flatline my career. It could be viewed as a negative. There's a number of different things that it could be viewed as, but I tried to take the approach of with any risk and I kind of move into this is like, my view was it's an opportunity to become more well-rounded get a deeper experience on the FSE side of the business. So that was a risk that I was like, you know what, there's a reason I'm doing it. I'm going to go for it. Same thing when I came to Raleigh is I decided if I wanted to move up in my career sooner or later, no matter what, there's going to be a risk, right? Um, you never know if it's going to, the grass is always going to be greener. So I, I took the approach of why not make it a calculated risk. And, you know, the advice that I got is, you know, I heard great things about who my boss would be, which we can get into later about how important that is um, further from home, but selfishly still on the East Coast. So it's drivable to my family. Um, and then biggest thing for me personally, opportunity to, to kind of build my own staff and build my own policies from the ground up. So to me, it was a risk for sure. But my advice to people when it comes to, to risks uh, on that note is if the end goal is important enough to you, the risk should definitely be worth it. Good or bad, you should be OK with that risk if it could potentially get you to where you want to be. No, I love it. Great, great, great way to explain that. And you know, oftentimes for, for careers in sports, it's rare to get promoted so many times internally and in, in both your stops, you've had the ability to grow internally in multiple different roles. 
what do you feel like you've done on such a consistent basis to to continue to to be grown internally and promoted? Yeah, it's it's definitely a, it's a weird analogy, and I share it with like our inside sales crew every time um, they start here. But I've always reminded myself to put on the horse blinders. You obviously know the horse blinders where you're not looking what's going on around you. You're staying focused what's right in front of you before you start planning for the future way too far ahead. Because I think at least me knowing myself. I don't benefit from thinking, you know, 10, 15, 20 years down the road um, when I could be focused on doing a good job at what's in front of me at the time. So I personally, maybe it's a little different, but I've always personally been a believer that if I don't take care of this step that I'm in right now, I'm never going to get to the next step regardless. So I put a super big emphasis on earning that next step before even thinking about it, if that makes sense. So Absolutely. I always try to kind of prove myself to my bosses, my staff and people around me and um, like to think that good things will start to happen sooner or later. Yeah. And I've always said, just dominate your day at the end of the yep. day. And in your current role, you're focused on client retention and group sales for both the hurricanes as well as the other ancillary events that come through PNC arena. What do you feel like you and your team have done to have so much success? Yeah, there, there's probably a million different variables that you could, you could list um, that go into success in our, in our line of work for sure. Um, but I think on our end, at least in Carolina here, and it was the same in Pittsburgh, it always starts with extremely solid people because I think everything builds off of that. So we take our hiring very seriously, whether we're promoting from within and the people that we hire, we bring up, or even if we're hiring externally, we dig in to find, find the right people for our culture um, because we know how much can come from that. We know that it's going to lead to success with our customers, which is revenue and sales. Um, they buy from people they like and people that do well there um, and represent our brand in the best way. So do a lot of due diligence to where you could be the best salesperson in the world, but if you're not doing it the right way and not in a way that's going to reflect our brand and our culture, well, it might not be a fit. So that's been important to us because, you know, we always, we always put integrity, quality service, other intangibles like that paired with the sales ta talent is key. It's not that one is going to trump the other. You got to kind of check all those boxes. And I think that's helped us whether, you know, we're having success on the ice or having big concerts and shows or we're not. Having consistent people regardless, I think, has been a, a differentiating point for us. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Again, we're here on 52 Weeks of Hustle. The guest today, Ryan Erdman, Vice President of Client Retention and Group Sales at the Carolina Hurricanes. And Ryan, let's get into three hot topics. Question one, as we discussed, you've worked for, for two different teams, certainly different markets, certainly some good teams, some bad teams, and everywhere in between. 
What is your advice on being able to sell regardless of wins and losses? Yeah, great, great question. I think my first day working for you for the Pirates, the day after we lost 105 games, and then uh, first yep. day with Carolina, we finished 26 out of 30 teams in the NHL. So definitely had some bad times and some good times along the way with both. So I think, um, you know, what I've noticed, top salespeople, wins and losses, it's only a factor if you let it become one and you don't offer anything else outside of that. So if you can't think of anything or provide anything to people outside of wins and losses, to me, it's kind of on you or kind of on me as a salesperson that I'm not doing my job. So um, I, I go with the mindset of if wins and losses were all that mattered, we'd never sell a single ticket. It's sports. Like there's a million variables, there's trades, there's injuries, there's anything that can happen, um, especially in hockey too. Um, I think that if you're a good salesperson, you can navigate that conversation. If you do your homework and you practice um, and you stick to kind of your sales technique or your script, if you use a script, um, you're able to navigate that conversation. So going back to my earlier point, just pitching value um, and what the real use for the tickets will be, all of which should be outside of wins and losses. Wins are always icing on the cake and losses shouldn't, shouldn't let you bring the conversation down, um, even if there's a lot of them. Yeah, it's it's control the controllables. Question two, and both of the organizations you've worked for, and we've talked about what you did to continue get promoted internally, but also you've been able to get promoted internally multiple times. What do you feel like good organizations do to help retain top employees like yourself? Uh, yeah, I, I think to, to me personally, um, it's all about proactive versus reactive. Like I feel like if I can proactive, proactively go to a staff member without them saying anything to me and just being like, hey, look, you do an amazing job for us. I think you deserve this. I think that means so much more than them saying, hey, when will I be up for promotion? Hey, what opportunities do I have? If, if I can go to them with something, I think that says a lot more, whether it's promotion, pay, title, added responsibility, whatever that thing is that I, that I think um, they've earned and they deserve, that's that's kind of what I think um, helps to retain your top people too. I think they appreciate that much more. Um, another part of it, I think, is just enabling your best people. Like show them that you trust them to make good decisions and that you're going to support those decisions, good or bad. There's going to be some that aren't that good. Um, but I think if you enable them, that's teaching them one way or the other, even if it's a bad decision. Showing that you're going to back them up on it, I think, um, you know, teaches them that that's not everywhere you go. There's a lot of places where you're going to replace whoever was there and you're going to do exactly what they did. Um, I think here we try and enable people and, and I think it's important wherever you're at to enable people and um, be proactive with your recognition and, and keeping them on board. Awesome. And, and finally, question three, we've talked about working for the right people and knowing that they will care about you and invest in you and your career. What's your advice to listeners out there on being and finding a mentor or mentors early on in their career? Yeah, probably the most probably the most crucial thing, honestly, that, that we've discussed, because I think mentors are, are so huge and, and so important to you in our industry because it's such a small, tight knit crew, as you know, more than anyone. I think my advice would be when interviewing, you should be interviewing them as well. Um, and, and hopefully that's advice that a lot of people have already when they go in. But if not, you should be getting to know them just as much as they're getting to know you learning what makes them tick, what's important to them. Um, could you see yourself working for this person? And do you feel like they're sincere in your conversation? If if you feel like you're a burden to them or they're going through the motions or they don't really have a lot of tangible feedback to some of the important questions that are important to you, maybe that's not going to be a good fit or maybe their style doesn't gel with you as much. You're, you're kind of getting some red flags early on. So when somebody's interviewing you, you should be doing the same exact thing um, with them too and, and making sure that chemistry wise that it would be a good match. Um, and then 
I would say trust, study, and get feedback from a number of people. So those that have done it before you, I always say those that do it super well and those that are in a role you'd like to be in. So looking around, knowing that, being humble enough to understand that I'm not perfect. I still have a lot of ways to go. So if it was somebody that has done the job for 10 years and has built a huge book of business or somebody that's maybe in the job just as long as me, but they're crushing it on the revenue side even more so than me, don't be too proud to study them and see what they do um, and look to them for advice. Um, and then those, your manager and those above you, like roles that you want to be in, learn what they do every day, get feedback from them, try and build a connection with them, take them to coffee, things things of that nature. It's only going to help you um, because those those mentorships are so key. And it's amazing the the relationships that you'll keep for your entire career if, if you do them well. Absolutely. Loved it. And, and Ryan, what a great career you've had. And as you think back, what's been your best memory? Best memory. I mean, I can name a million things, but I mean, we work in sports, so it's got to be a huge game for sure. Um, I'd have to honestly, there's a lame answer, but it would have to be a three way tie because for the Pirates, my biggest memory is the 2013 NL wildcard game. Uh, which if anyone listening hasn't seen that, you got to look up the clip of Johnny Cueto dropping the baseball uh, and then the home run after. So that would be one. My first NHL playoff game, like I mentioned, not knowing anything about hockey, that was massive too. I think I lost my hearing for three days after that. I had no idea what playoff hockey was all about. And then last year we were lucky enough to host the um, NHL stadium series game here in Raleigh, which was Really cool culmination, a lot of years of hard work, and then got to enjoy it with my family. Um, that that was one of the special things in, in sports for sure for me. Awesome. Well, Ryan, ton of great advice. Certainly fun to hear about your journey personally and professionally. And to close it out, I like to put our guests on the hustle hot seats. You ready for this? Yep. Now we talked about you're pretty athletic, and I've seen it firsthand. You've been recruited in flag football. Mm -hmm. If you could go to go professional in any sport, what sport and what position? Yeah, I think you already started to mention it. I was going to bring up, you know, some of our matchups on the field where you were at corner, unfortunately. So it would definitely have to be an NFL wide receiver um, because in short, in the locker room, I, I definitely need my targets and I might be a little bit of a problem in the locker room. But when you get me the ball, you'll thank me later. Um, and like I said, you had covered me many times. So you know this more than anyone. Fair. Sure. You had to eat one meal for the rest of your life. What would it be? Uh, pizza. Easy. If you hosted a talk show, who would be your first guest? First guest, I'd have to go. I'd have to go Denzel. Um, great actor, but I feel like he's a great person too, with like a lot of knowledge and insight. Denzel, Denzel will be my first choice. Immediately comes to mind. Love it. Well, Ryan, to close it out, what are three key takeaways you would give every listener to be in your shoes one day? Yeah, I think my my top three would be first, be obsessed with getting better uh, and providing value to your boss, your department, your organization, and then eventually your staff, if you're fortunate enough to, to manage people. I think providing value and getting better um, and caring about impressing all those people, you'll start to truly stand out if you actually care about helping those people in that order. So um, I think just being obsessed with it, living and breathing it every day, it sounds obvious when we're talking about it here, but it's a whole nother thing to do it day after day, month after month, year after year. Um, so being obsessed with it is one thing. Second, I always come back to in my career is just listening twice as much as you speak in every single thing that you do, um, like as an employee with your bosses, with your coworkers, but also as a seller with your clients and customers, too. Um, I just feel like you'll learn so much more in your words and your ideas will be way more impactful when you've listened and actually gotten meaningful feedback and you enact it versus 
you know, going out with your immediate ideas before getting feedback from others. Um, and then the last thing I would definitely say, and it's probably been mentioned by, by other people on your podcast, but just a reminder that we work in sports. There's always, always, always somebody that would kill to be in our position. So I take the view, don't ever waste it, whether you're an inside sales, you're an intern, or you're the, the president of the team. Um, our president, who's now also our GM um, of the team, Don Waddell, gave me a great quote. It was years and years ago when he came down the sales floor and said, how's it going down here? And I was like, eh, you know how it is. Good days and bad days. You know how that goes. Like just a generic answer. And he like stopped me and called me out. He's like, no. I was like, what do you mean? No. And he said, there's not good days and bad days. There's good days and hard days. Like there's absolutely going to be hard days in there. But we work in sports every day. We work in hockey or Whatever sport it is that we work in, there's good days and hard days because I think it gives you perspective on how lucky we are to be in this business. I love it, Ryan. Thank you so much. You've certainly had a great career. Always a pleasure talking to you. I certainly appreciate your time and expertise and our friendship. Absolutely, Travis. Same here. Thanks for having me. Again, this is Travis Apple. Thank you for listening to 52 Weeks of Hustle. Please be sure to follow the podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. We'll be back next week with another industry leader. Have a great week.